Hi, and welcome to Too Many Jennifers, the podcast made by Jennifers for everyone. I'm Jenny Cavallero. And I'm Jen Tisdale, and I am the dark and stormy cloud to your bright and sunny day. <laughs> um, I am feeling very sunny in that my face is sweating. <laughs> Yeah, the sun um, sweats. What if it does? It, how could it not? It's hot all the time. It's very hot. You have to sweat to release that energy or you will die. I don't yep. care if you're a son or a daughter. Um, <laughs> I, as fun. I mentioned to Jen before we hit record officially, I just ate some spicy food, which is highly recommended and highly recommended actually in general, but not when you're going to be recording. Um, mm. But so I'm you're feeling, hot. You're hot because of the food. Hot because of the food. Yeah, my face is. I have my sweaty Italian face going on right now. It's very. Oh my red. goodness! I feel um, like your in your DNA should be like. Isn't you? Aren't you guys made of uh, spices? Sorry, that was a slightly not okay to do. But I did it. I did it, and I like. Hey, it's me and Mario. And I, <laughs> you can be racist towards Italian people. <laughs> Thanks. I'm just, um. Yeah. In this day and age, yeah, we're not uh, minorities. I'm actually only 2% Italian also, and it's just the skin on my face. So, um, yeah, but my last name is Italian. So, yeah. um, um, you know, just taking it over. I, nope. yeah, it's a Friday that we're recording this, um, Friday night. It's date night. It, well, it's the date I've been calling it all week. Cause it's July 2nd. I've been calling it Fear Street Friday. Because... Yeah, thank you for taking time out of your schedule of watching Fear Street. Have you watched it yet? Or is no, we, after? no. Oh, you have to. I can't watch that in, in the harsh light of day slash yeah, your personality. In the harsh light of your personality. Um, <laughs> it's no. on. It came out on Netflix. Is it a movie? Is it, it a two part? It is a film. And the my favorite part is that it stars Gillian Jacobs, oh. who who I once got to interview a million years ago in person at South by Southwest because she had just, just done a movie with Ken Marino. Love um, Ken Marino. Yup. And it's, I wish I could remember the name of it. It was the name of it is a name and it's about a man who is not really good at expressing himself. So his emotions are pooped out of his body and start to like wreak havoc on the world in his honor. And it's a very dark and hilarious film. And I got to talk about that and like vibrators and dildos with Gillian Jacobs. And it was a real treat. What a concept for yeah. a movie. <laughs> yeah. Like only a man could be like, uh, a man would rather poop out an emotional yeah. alien than go to therapy, Twitter. And, and they're like, green light this story. <laughs> Every guy um, was like, I get it. Yeah. So I mean, that, that was... sounds interesting. Those are good actors. So very cool. I won't be watching Fear Street. That won't shock you to learn. Well, yeah, I mean, you still have to get through the 1980 to 1985. I'm just trying to slowly, slowly get you through some decades, like of, of any genre. I'm not even limiting <laughs> what I'm, I'm saying, like um, just the years 1980 to 1985 are my start starting point for you. I've seen every Marvel movie mm-hmm. except for Howard the Duck. Oh, my <laughs> God. That's the best one. Because that feels unimportant at this. When is he going to be added to the Avengers? He was in a post-credit scene. Actually, he's already been introduced. um, That movie years ago. Years ago. That movie is is also horny in the same way that the Mm -hmm. Country Bear Jamboree film is horny. You're just like, it's it's Mrs. McFly. It's Leah Thompson, right? Yeah. Yeah, which who I love. I love Leah Thompson. Um, I remember uh, seeing, um, maybe it was on like, 
I love the eighties or something Mm -hmm. like them talking about Howard, the duck. And they showed a clip of them being horny together and everyone was very upset about it. Yeah. They like, uh, the like scene where she's like on the bed and she could not look better. There's like the sassy scene. She's like in her underwear and gosh, she looks great. And it's like, good for her, but also, yeah. And you're like, Oh, duck. (laughs) (laughs) Not good. We don't like it. She's going to have sex with this duck. I uh, I wanted to, before we start, I know we probably have a, is this a longish episode or no? I don't, we're going to, I have some printed notes, Jen. Printed notes. Oh my God. I love this. How many? Four, four pages. Four Um, pages. I would like to plug your comedy show for you. For me. You have a show on July 17th. That's true. Joe's Movement Emporium. That is accurate. That is in Mount Rainier, Maryland. I have purchased a ticket to this. You're you're coming? Yes, I am. Oh my gosh, I'm honored. And I was I was off off camera, <laughs> uh, <laughs> off mic. I was going to suggest we go to maybe dinner before if you're free because my friend owns a restaurant literally four minutes walking distance. It's what? called Penny. I'm also going to shout the restaurant out. It's called Penny Royal Station. So my friend Jesse oh. is the owner and chef. Welcome, Jesse. And I have yet to go, so I thought well, we should maybe if Jenny's available pre not doing something with her boy. Here's the thing: I have to work. Oh, no. And I have to rush over from work. And it um, closes at nine. So I don't know so when yeah. the show will end. So uh, another will, time. Yeah, I would love to go there, though. I, I used to be- live in Mount Rainier. I love it. Um, yeah. There's a cute juice place. Um, there's the food co-op glut. Um, it's fun. It's up yeah. and coming. Um, Easy pizza and kebab. That's right. Both very good mm, pizza. The combination you didn't know you wanted. Oh, and, you could- and also... Um, what is it called? Sweet, sweet and natural. The vegan bakery. Oh, I will not know about that. Yeah. Love, and they have like, so they have like vegan soul food too. It's good. Oh, okay. I will take your word for it. But I did want to say that as I was buying my tickets, I noticed that a, the contact uh, like email address, if I had any questions was for a woman named Jennifer Leon, J E N I F F E R. And okay, boy, Jennifer. did I stop. she must be the proprietor of the emporium she is their uh theater production coordinator so for some reason if you had some sort of ticket issues you would contact her and i cannot stop staring at these two f's these fast and furious just looking at me from her name i'm like should i should we talk to jennifer and we might have to i think the power will will overcome us maybe she'll um, be there and we can do like a our first uh, remote yeah <laughs> interview um, i'm sorry that's what this is all radio language yeah. We're, this is radio this is radio um they are but come to that show coming out with jen and also look at me and no. you can get tickets at improbablecomedy.com. It's going to be yeah. great. Uh, Brittany Carney will be there. Love Brittany. Um, you may have I seen is, her on. Is Naomi Central. on this Naomi Caravani. Alani Nichelle, who's great. I this is a good Alani. show. It's a great show. Um, Chelsea Short also. I love Chelsea. Fantastic. Great, great. I think that's everyone. I don't think I left anyone out. And Improbable Comedy, it is a um, women run comedy production uh, organization, which is fantastic. They just, uh, we mentioned on our Henry Zabrowski episode, Blair Postman was doing our flip chart show called Struggling Chartist, which 
uh, premiered this past week and I went and it was fantastic. And that was um, put on, it was directed by Chelsea Short and put on by Improbable Comedy at the Silver String Black Box Theater. It was fantastic. Um, she's going to take it to other cities. So if she does come to where you are in the world, like go see it. It's, it's so it, funny. It looks so fun. good. I'm mad that I didn't go, but it yeah. looked really delightful. I'm I'm sure she'll do it again somewhere nearby. Okay. Um, but it was great. The you know production was fantastic, and it was a packed house. It was excellent. Um, there was an intermission, which I love because I always oh, yeah. have to pee. <laughs> yeah, it's like I said, live theater is so hard because you can't you can't get up. You just can't get up. You can't no. open a bag of anything. Mm-hmm. Don't even mm-hmm. try to have a can of something, please. Yeah. And don't just pee in your seat because you will ruin the show. Oh, I did it. pee in my seat also, no, but that's just something Thank I God. like to do. <laughs> um, uh, we also, before we get to our main event, event. our main theme for the night, um, you had a great suggestion, which was... Uh, Something that's always on my mind is July is ADA month or disability pride month. Um, It celebrates the anniversary of the passing of the Americans with Disabilities Act, which was signed into law. The one good thing that George H.W. Bush did on July 26th, 1990. So we celebrate disability pride all month long. And so we wanted to, um, and this was a great suggestion by you, Jen. Thank you for being a thoughtful ally of the disability community or i mean i don't know how you consider yourself in relation well you know i uh, it's only recently with this britney spears conversation mm-hmm. did i realize that certain mental illnesses are fa- fall under the umbrella of disability yeah they do uh, fall under ada protections mm-hmm. as well so yeah so mine and mine as well and i was like oh, okay so that's interesting because because people kept speaking about Britney Spears being disabled. And I was just like, what, what did I miss? And maybe that's a terrible thing to say, but I was like, what is everybody talking about? What's happening? And then I read up on the definition and I was like, Oh, that is what I missed. And that is good to know. Cause yeah. you know, you need to be able to advocate for yourself, uh, in as often as you can, because obviously, because obviously yeah. your father won't and your sister won't and your record label won't and your goddamn mother won't. So <laughs> there um, it is. Yeah. But so we wanted to each each uh, episode this month of July to shout out some uh, disabled owned businesses or cool disabled artists or writers uh, or people that you can support with your time, your energy, maybe even some of your dollars. So we both saw a post on Instagram today that was really great. Would you like to uh, to share it? Well, I, I, well, I took a screenshot of it to post and then I saw that you shared it and like a weirdo piece of shit. I was like, well, I can't copy, which is stupid because that's, (laughs) and I already made this joke to you, but that is not how like good and loving information. And that's how the internet works is just sharing and sharing. So it's, I I don't like, I thought I took a screenshot, but I can't find it. Do you have, I know it's on your stories. I feel like a jerk now. I've outed myself. It's outed myself as a dickhead. This was a great, a cute graphic shared on Instagram and created by a um, woman named Gretchen Schreiber, who describes herself as a professional reader and writer, which I love. Yeah. Um, and she is GS. Cre- Wait, I think it's G Screeber. G S C R E E B E R. 
Uh, I'm probably not saying that correctly, but um, at G-S-C-R-E-E-B-E-R on Instagram. And this is a um, a wonderful graphic of disabled owned bookstores. Uh, And they include the Never Ending Bookshop in Edmonds, Washington. Have you been there, Jen? No, but I love the name. The Never Ending Bookshop. That's a great one. Women and Children First in Chicago, which I have been to. Um, I actually did a zine reading there some years ago on zine tour and they were lovely people. Uh, it is also, that's also one of the few um, remaining feminist bookstores in the United States. Thank God. Women, <laughs> your work is done, Jen. Haven't um, we heard enough out of you? Your ladies. work is done. Also the last bookstore in Los Angeles. Yes. That's the best. That's really um, cool. Blue Heron books in Uxbridge, Ontario, Canada. All she wrote in Somerville, Massachusetts, uh, Blue Stockings Cooperative in New York City, which I've been to as well. Mm. And this one has the best name, Tubby and Coos Mid-City Bookshop in your favorite city, New Orleans, Louisiana. I know. I saw that. and I was like, oh, God damn it, New Orleans. Like every time I turn around, something incredible is coming out of that city. Yeah. (sighs) Great name. Owned or co-owned or run by uh, people who are in the disability community. So and we're if happy you, to celebrate that. If you don't live in those cities, I'm pretty sure you can buy books through IndieBound.com, I want to mm-hmm. say. They usually connect to independent bookstores, and I will assume these are all those things. And also Bookshop, if you've okay. ever been on Bookshop. Yeah, so don't worry about like, oh, I don't live in these incredible cities. Well, we got you. Yeah, you can support them and they I know on bookshop I've bought things from our local stores here like when they were closed for pandemic stuff um state and they things from solid state solid state because it's lady owned Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and those they tell you how much money from your purchase is going directly to the bookstore which is great so you're um saying fuck you amazon and supporting um your local bookstore and disabled business owners. So yeah, we'll be back with more hot tips next week. And that's the show folks. No. <laughs> Thanks for stopping by. We're kidding. I did homework this week. Jen, would you like to introduce our next segment? I can introduce the theme, but I have no idea who the subject is. We are doing another bad Jennifer. It's been a minute. Mm-hmm. We we started with Jennifer Bailey, who, along with her boyfriend and her little brother, murdered her mother. Mm-hmm. And we're seamlessly shifting into who, Jenny? Well, let me tell you. Today, we're <laughs> going to hear the story of Jennifer Forsyth Hyatt. <gasps> God, that is a great name. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's my God. a great God. name. Any yeah, relation? No, it's Hyatt with an E at the end, actually. Oh, okay. They had to... Do that for copyright reasons. Um, also, that's a fun question to ask people when you, anyone introduces themselves, and then you can watch somebody try to figure out who you might be thinking about. Like, <laughs> it doesn't matter the name; you just go, "Oh, any relation," and then you're like, they're trying to be like, "What fucking person do they think I'm related to?" And you just wait patiently. Yeah, that's a really good power trip. Everyone, try that. Mm-hmm. Jen's hot tips. Now my phone is vibrating. Oh, I can't. Maybe you're also getting Twitter DMs from a dude you're going to have a sassy Zoom chat with at some point. A sassy Zoom chat. That's Um, what I'm doing. No, it's my sister, Beth, the dietitian, Mm -hmm. sent um, a TikTok video. Is it something about please don't watch Dirty Dancing? (laughs) (laughs) No, it is of a saw blade stuck in a curb with two orange cones around it. 
And it's one of, she says, this is one of my coworkers. The blade has been there for three weeks. LOL. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's your, that's your TikTok update of the day. Now let's get to it. Okay. So uh, first of all, I want to say that I got my information from um, one of the greatest sites on the internet, Murderpedia. Oh, I love it. If you've never been on there, they usually have a little summary of what the crime is and who the person involved is. And then they just paste a bunch of news articles, like primary sources that you can read. And they had a ton about uh, this lady and also a little bit from Wikipedia. And also I watched an episode of Snapped, the (gasps) Oxygen Network program, season seven, episode 12, which aired originally on October 11th, 2009. I would also like to note that I looked this up and Snapped has been on since 2004. Yeah. You know how I also know this is because we were going to maybe do a anniversary of snap in fact we were gearing oh, up at, at, at my festival? at my festival of doing a, a best of snapped anniversary show mm. and obviously the world snapped the uh, world sure snapped so that um, didn't happen but i was aware that it had been on for a very long time they have had 29 seasons and yeah. 510 episodes listen women are angry Women are angry. Um, and they've- at some point, <laughs> they're going to snap. They've only highlighted, I believe, two men. Um, That's because men don't snap. They're just like, it's a Tuesday or whatever. Yeah. They're they're like, not- they just feel like murdering. Um, yeah, they're like, this was lunch. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we're going to get into some. Uh, so a lot of my information I got from these articles that were on Murderpedia and referenced there. But then I also watched the Snapped episode, which it tells a little bit of a different tale, I'm going to say. Okay. We'll get to it. Um, I'm excited. So most of what we know about Jennifer's youth also, to preface this, comes from her unfinished prison memoir, <laughs> which she... Okay, listen, I have to say... a FaceTime call. <laughs> I have to say... I have to this say... I have no to say worst. one... That's okay. You're very okay. popular. I have to say no. one thing. It's like, yeah. it's one thing to like there are zero distractions in prison as to the best of my knowledge. Mm -hmm. And like, if you can't buckle down and write your memoir alone in your very uh, inspiring prison cell, then where are you going to write it? That's true. There's not a lot to do. You have a lot of time to fill. She titled her memoir, a modern day Bonnie and Clyde. So that's going to give you a little, little taste of what this case is going to be. All right, but let's talk about Jennifer as a young lady. All right, so Jennifer Forsyth Hyatt was born February 11th, 1974. She's older than you, Jen. Thank you. I and, just I gave you a thumbs up because my birthday is also in February, so I guess yeah. I'm just excited that we both have amethyst as a birthstone. Oh my god. Um sure. she was born in Emory County, Utah, which super chill, nothing wrong. Happening in Utah. Um, her first memory, she says, is of attending her parents' divorce hearing. Okay, that's a party. Mm-hmm. That's a fun party. And when her father later remarried, she and her younger sister were not invited to the wedding, which you would probably prefer, honestly. Yeah, I think that depending on, I think that they might have, should have flipped that and were like, hey, maybe skip the divorce hearing, but Jeff come to that wedding, <laughs> right? Come eat like, some cake. Um, my dad got married in Vegas and didn't tell us until afterwards. So, Well, you know, I'm so sorry. I don't know if you know this, but what happens in Vegas actually, it stays there. So well, then he <laughs> broke that rule because he told us about it. Um, oh boy. <laughs> okay. Um, 
Jennifer did not have a happy childhood, as you might imagine. She also wrote that for four years, someone in her father's new family molested her and her sister, and they never told anyone about it, um, which is very upsetting, obviously. Very it sad. is upsetting, but... Oh, no, I can't believe I just said but after that. Why don't we just move on? Okay. <laughs> well, I was just going to say, like, if that's interesting, because it was both she and her sister and only one of them snapped. So, you know, there's a, it must be a different, yeah. a different cocktail is happening, is yeah, what I was going to say. Yeah. That's it's, all. It's not a direct line to snapping. No. <laughs> not by any means. Um, she was close um, with some of her family, though. Her aunt had several horses, and these were a source of comfort for her. Um, she described a retired thoroughbred named Weaver as her best friend. Oh, I get that, obviously. I get that. All the horse girls. Yeah. She that, writes that, that. in her memoir, prison memoir, I told him all my secrets, and he always seemed to listen, which... Mm. Of course he did. Um, we could run like the wind or just stand and let the wind run over us, which, okay, that's just describing being outside, but yeah. that's fine. She's trying to be poetic. Um, but one day, Jen, she discovers that her aunt has sold Weaver and she's heartbroken. Okay. That, that would crush me more than any divorce could yeah. ever crush me. Her best friend is gone and she's just like over it. Um, so things start to really go downhill for her from there. She's like, she gives up on horses and basically like being happy. Um, <laughs> Sorry. Oh, I did write things go really downhill from there, but much more slowly because now. She <laughs> <laughs> okay. Wait, I uh-huh. am, I'm, ha- I'm having a thought. Yeah. What if Weaver died and they just told her that they had to sell him because it was like an easier story. I don't know why I'm like throwing this aunt a bone, but I'm like, you know how that is. Yeah. Like people are like, obviously, because you know, they're always like, we sent him to a farm. Well, they can't do that. Weaver's already at the farm. So they can't be like, we sent him to the city to live in a, <laughs> in a four story walk up. Don't worry about it. And he was the inspiration for the television series, Bojack Horseman. That's yep. right. So um, that's me just just being slightly i don't hopeful unless I, we're about to hear more terrible it stories. sounded like she just like came home one day and her aunt was like oh yeah we sold him and it was like no one thought she would be upset i don't know but she was obviously very upset and at 15 she starts doing what experimenting with alcohol and drugs and to just ran out the trifecta she starts dating a 25 year old which gross on him um yeah yep, it's definitely gross on him he's so this 25 is, that's this ugh. is 1989 i don't know why i need to know that i'm just trying to like think of what the climate mm-hmm. was in 1989 and like yeah. i doubt very seriously any conversations especially in utah <laughs> which as we know like the, the unfortunately the, the iron fist of mormonism is not really caring about age differences or anything. Anyway. Yeah, and she wanted to party. She would sneak out of her mom's house. She even learned how to disconnect the odometer cable from the car to cover her tracks, but she got to love that 80s car technology that um, you could do that. God, you know who could have used that? <laughs> Ferris Bueller. Have you seen the movie Ferris Bueller? <laughs> I have seen Ferris Yay. Bueller more than once. Okay. Thank you. Okay. I've seen a movie. Thank okay. you. Okay. Um, she marries her first husband at 18. First. First husband. At 18. Um, but the night before the wedding, she found him curled up in the arms of another woman. And I don't think she means they were hugging. 
Um, oh God, but curled up. I'm sorry if that's such a gross. Right. It's just gross. I'm like, they were like it? snuggling, which like, is somehow worse than catching them having yeah, sex. Yeah. Like, so this is the night before their wedding. Like, I don't know. She's out with like one of her other horse friends and mm-hmm. and she comes home and finds him in, I guess, probably in bed. Um, but he mansplains some bullshit about why this scenario happened and they go ahead with the wedding. Well, you said you were going to be home an hour later. So it's like, <laughs> obviously, this is your fault. He's like, um, I was cold. You know, I get cold. <laughs> um, it's Utah. It's chilly. Um. Oh, but she's also three months pregnant, so that probably played a part in why this she is went not ahead the, with it. This is not the twenty-five-year-old, or is it? No, okay. not that anything said. No, okay. no, I don't know what his age was, but she's eighteen. Um, they go on to have three children, and also do a lot of drugs, lots of drugs. Um, her husband eventually goes to prison um, for such charges as construction of a meth lab. And DUIs with minors in the vehicle. He had about four offenses of that. Um, Mm. So he goes to jail. They get divorced, which that's a good thing. She stops doing drugs. um, And she she finds a new guy. Um, She was looking for someone to make her smile, um, which... It's such a low bar. It is a low bar. Like, but when you're that starved and deprived of yeah. any sort of, uh, you know, yeah. and she love really, and affection, mm-hmm. anything, anything. Yeah. And <sighs> so she finds a new guy um, and he seems okay. And they get married 30 minutes after marrying him. He's curled up with somebody else. <laughs> no. She's curled up. She falls for one of their wedding guests. No. Yeah. I can't. I can't. A friend of her now husband, whose name is Travis. He's Travis is such mm-hmm. a fuck boy. Like, mm-hmm. she, like, oh, he who you could cheat on. You're a guy with Travis, obviously. Travis, oh. obviously. He's eating some dry ass chicken at the wedding reception. <laughs> like she's still in her wedding dress. Like her family's hanging out, right? And like the clouds part in the VFW hall, and like she's in love with him. At her wedding. Oh, my God. And they immediately start having an affair. Are there, but and and uh, at some point, I maybe we'll add, put them on Instagram, are there photos of these people? Because I do, I, <laughs> I, I do need there, to. I mean, there's a lot of photos of her, but I haven't found them of their, her past relationships. Um, her family, some of her family appears in her Snapped episode, her mother and her sister, and some other people that we're going to talk. They about. always do. And I picture these people like so excited about mm-hmm. like being on these episodes of these shows, even though they're about yeah. to discuss something so upsetting. And they're just like, well, am I getting hair and makeup? Yeah. For this? Yeah. And the answer is usually no, <laughs> you're not. Nope. You're doing you your can own. tell. You can tell. Um, so they immediately start having an affair. Um, like probably not at the reception, but like very soon after. Um, and her husband eventually finds out and he, oh. and he leaves. Oh, um, he doesn't stay around after he that? doesn't hmm. stick around. And they would, okay. it sounds like they would all go on trips together. Like they would go camping or they liked to go um, water skiing. Just the three of them? Like what's that Owen I Wilson don't. movie where he's <laughs> the best friend? And Dupree. Dupree. So yeah. he, Travis is like Dupree and everybody's fine. Yeah. With him. Okay. Um, she would like sneak out of her tent to go hook up with him when they were camping together. It's it's gross. It's not good. Um, and 
so her husband finds out and he leaves um and things with travis shockingly do not work out he's very immature he's not ready to be a father be with someone with kids you know he hooked up with a married lady and jennifer then has an affair with his best friend no she's doing great um and her and travis break up um like this was what okay so this was in the 90s the early 90s i was gonna say this if this is uh, if this, this is like around the year 2000 i was gonna say if this was my space she's just going through that top eight just mm-hmm. going through it she might be she might be i mean you know she's got nice blonde hair so and her name is jennifer so who can really blame these men yeah but three um, three kids is a negative obviously <laughs> i'm just kidding yeah and she's, you know, she's got some issues. Um, she has some attachment issues, clearly. Um, so now it's mid-2001. Ooh. And Blue Cantrell's hit you him can't, up style. You, you can't on say, the radio. You can't say 2001 <laughs> to me. I'm just like, oh, I'm waiting for it. I love that song. Blue Cantrell's hit him up style. In parentheses, oops. <laughs> <laughs> um is on the radio. She goes to visit a girlfriend of hers in Tennessee. Her friend lives in Nashville. She's like, you got to come out here. You got to see it. It's great. So she, um, I think leaves the kids with her, you know, their father, her ex who's out of prison, I guess. Oh, that's Um, good. And she decides to go visit. She goes to her visit and she falls in love with Tennessee. She just thinks it's okay. I was like, did you see me roll my eyes? I'm like, who the fuck is she marrying now? (laughs) It's don't, she's just marrying the state of Tennessee. It's okay. She's going to marry a whole state now. Marry the whole fucking state. Um, and she decides she wants to move there. So she goes back to Utah. She gets the kids and she's like, we're going to go hang out at a lower altitude. Now we're going (laughs) to, um, we're going to see what's going on down there around sea level. Um, (laughs) I have no clue what the altitude is in Tennessee. Um, and she also starts, uh, she enrolls in a nursing program, which that's great. You know, she's going to um, have a good. vocation. Yeah. Wait, is that a Diet Coke? Water. That's a Diet Coke glass. So you're it so is. you're just like, listen, I can't stray far from my brand. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to put water yeah. in this Diet Coke glass. It's a vintage Diet Coke glass. Yes, it's, it is. It's beautiful, actually. Thank you. I have two. You can come by and drink some well, Diet Coke out of one. When we're going to have a movie night at some point, and that's yeah. <laughs> I will be drinking. Um, great. Um, so she's in Tennessee for a couple of years, um, and she gets a job. She finishes the nursing program. There's some very sweet portraits of her and her nursing, like, little hat that they do their pictures in. Why do I feel like when I hear these stories, I'm like, I feel like it's hard to become a nurse, and then I hear these stories, and I'm like, oh, that, that didn't sound that hard, maybe, well, or maybe... I'm is, guessing, there, is it different than like, cause you can, cause I know nurses who go to like a four-year college and then there's like right. a nursing program. I'm I don't, guessing I don't she know what wasn't a registered nurse, like an RN. Um, she may have been like, it may have been more like, like a hospice assistant or like a hospice care or like a, you can get an associates in nursing. It may have been yeah. something like that. I don't know what degree, but she didn't like go to grad school for yeah. nursing. Um, so by 2004, she gets a job as a nurse at the Northwest Correctional Complex in Tiptonville, Tennessee, oh, which no, this no, is no. in the, the upper Northwest <gasps> corner of Tennessee, Uh-oh. right along I the just... Mississippi. I just realized who I think this is, but I'm not going to say anything. Okay, don't say it. <laughs> I'm not. I am not. I am not, but I am excited. Okay. Okay. Um, so it's right. It's like right in the corner, like right along the Mississippi. Like it's like really close to Missouri and Kentucky. It's you probably just, fucking beautiful. I'm honestly. sure it's gorgeous. It's very um, 
pretty rural area. I watched that not to do a tangent, John Wayne Gacy documentary on Peacock. It's very good. Mm-hmm. And every they kept showing his prison and it's on this cliff overlooking water. And literally every time I was like, that's fucking gorgeous. <laughs> every time I think it's in your home state. I might be uh, incorrect, Mm. but I want to say that's where he ended up. And I was just like stunning views is what I just kept saying. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense because he killed in Illinois. So, um, and while she's working at this job as a prison nurse, she meets George Hyatt, who she immediately falls in love with. (laughs) I don't, Um, he is, uh, indeed in it. He is indeed a prisoner. Um, do we know what he looks like? Yes. Um, and he's not like, he's not old. Like he's like, she's 30, about 30 at this time. And he's, I think 35. Um, but he's been in and out of jail since 1990. Like, so since he was very young for robberies and assaults, but he's described by everyone as a smooth talker and a real ladies man. So he is like, which is a a hard, um, a hard, like, rep to get in prison like it's mm-hmm. got to be di- like how do you become a ladies man when you're just with mostly not you ladies see, like three women a year and you just really charm them well um he really charms her because she immediately falls for him and he is uh kind of a, a powerful figure at the prison among the prisoners because as we know many prisons are very corrupt there's a lot of bribery a lot of um violence drugs drugs it, it basically sounds like the only difference is that you can't go outside but yeah. it sounds like anything you want yeah you can have so he's kind of like a big wig among the prisoners um and five months into working there um their relationship has been going on for a while she's caught smuggling food in for him can you guess what the food was Okay, so it's what's does it is it a state is it related is it a hot dog? God, please don't say hot dog. It's not a hot dog. Okay, it's, it's shrimp. She sneaks in shrimp. No, you're not going to get that in prison. Probably. You can. Sh- you know what shrimp does? It really triggers gout if you've had it. So oh. yeah, and I know this because um, my mom's had gout and she doesn't eat shrimp anymore. So sorry to call you out like that. Listen, you know who also had gout? Henry the Eighth. It's a royal. <laughs> It's a, royal- it's a royal inflammation is what okay. it is. Okay. And um, that guy didn't do anything wrong. Well, so- George Hyatt apparently didn't have gout because she snuck in some shrimp. She would sneak in a lot of stuff for him. Um, but they're caught at this time. So prison officials find out about their relationship and she's immediately fired. Yes. Yeah. Um, yes. And he also gets transferred to a prison in Nashville. Um, I don't oh know if that's God. related to that, but, you know, that's probably like a I don't know, bigger prison. I don't know if that's better, but he's very charming. He makes friends. Um, but she's still in love with George for some reason. Um, and they continue the relationship and they get permission to be married by a prison chaplain on May 20th, 2005. Okay. I do want to say that <laughs> this is going to be, this is like when you admitted to um, really liking Billy from six feet under, I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to come in hot with the thought where it must be such a safe feeling Mm -hmm. to be in love with a man in prison. Mm -hmm. If you're maybe a a naturally insecure or jealous person, you can tell yourself that they're not going to see a lot of ladies in the world. And you can like, you'll know that they're never out carousing. So perhaps even though Jennifer seems to be the cheater, but you know, cheaters are there. They always think you're cheating because that's how their brains work. So I I can see the appeal. 
of loving a prisoner if maybe that's how your brain works, where you're like, well, he'll never be like stepping out on me. Sure. I'll say that. I'll say that about that. Sure. And especially if they're not going to get out for quite a while. No. Um, Like, and you're always like, where's your, hey, where's George tonight? Oh, same place. Just probably the same place. He might be in a different location within that place, but he's at the same place. Well, and she would tell people because then she started working as like a home health nurse. Um, and she would tell one of her clients is in the snapped episode and she would, she told them they were always under the impression that her boyfriend was off fighting in Iraq. And that's why she, he wasn't around and she was on the phone with him a lot. It was because he was a soldier fighting in Iraq. Um, which was not. Wow. Wow. Oh, RIP Donald (laughs) Rumsfeld. Sorry. Rest in purgatory. Yes. <laughs> uh, rest in pain. Um, she also described their relationship as, quote, celestial love, which, ugh. and that they were more than soulmates. They were two halves of the it's, same. It's celestial because it died a long time ago, and it's going to take <laughs> her a minute to realize it. Oh, Don't worry about Jennifer. it. That's that's a cool star joke. Um, also, I wrote two halves of the same soil because I was typing this quickly. <laughs> so they were they were in it in the dirt together. Um, <laughs> and now I would like to get to what we call the crime line of events. <laughs> TM. Okay, so the date is August 9th, two thousand and five. Jen, what were you doing in two thousand five? Is summer. I was Before living school. I, I was living in Los Angeles mm-hmm. and I was, uh, God, 25. Where was I working? I think I was briefly at a weird studio job. Um, they made, uh, independent films. I was probably doing not a lot of drugs, but my fair share <laughs> having a good time is You're the answer. A great time. I was in college being depressed. Okay. Um, the crime line of events, August 9th, 2005, we're in Kingston, Tennessee. And George Hyatt, you know, he's been in jail this whole time. He has just pleaded guilty to a robbery charge at the Roan County Courthouse. They take him, you know, out of jail to go to the courthouse. Uh, so, so he, he wasn't even in prison yet. He was no, still he, sort of waiting to be. He was. Okay, we're going to get into some things okay, about him. Okay. He's being, he's been, he's been charged with multiple things. So this is a hearing for one of his charges. Okay. And the courthouse is not like near the the jail or the prison where he is. I'm not sure which he's being held at. Um, so he has just pleaded guilty. Jennifer's at the courthouse. She watches him plead guilty and he's being led by two guards back to a transport van in the parking lot right out front of the courthouse. And Jennifer has just, she stormed out of the courthouse after the hearing. Um, and she gets in her blue Ford Explorer and witnesses see her, pull up god the ford explorer loves a (laughs) loves a loves a crime oh that wasn't bronco sorry fords in general love a a crime they love drama um yeah because they're ford tough so (laughs) so she pulls up um she sees her husband in shackles coming down the front steps being led by two guards and she hops out of her car and she pulls out a gun um witnesses say they then heard george shout shoot him shoot him and she does exactly that. No, no, no. She, no. She shoots correctional officer Wayne Cotton Morgan oh, three times. 
Um, he is airlifted to the hospital and pronounced dead there at age 57. He was a Vietnam War veteran. And correctional officer Larry Porky Harris. Oh, no, no. I love that nickname. No. He survives. Oh, good. He survives. And he also fires back. Um, she shoots Wayne Cotton uh, three times. One of those is a fatal wound in his abdomen. Um, but Larry or Porky, we'll, we'll, we'll just call him Porky. That's yeah. his nickname. He yeah. survives and he begins shooting back and he empties his weapon and also grabs Cotton's weapon and starts shooting back. Uh, Jennifer, is, is he on the episode of Snapped by any chance? Did they happen uh, to get Porky on Snapped? No, he's not on it. Okay. Uh, Jennifer is also wounded. Um, a bullet grazes her leg um, after Porky shoots at the vehicle once they're inside, but um, they manage to she, they manage to get away. She gets away with George in the Ford Explorer. And of course, there's tons of witnesses. This is all on camera. It happens yeah. right in front of a courthouse. Everyone is just really shocked. Um, and Jennifer and George drive to a nearby Subway sandwich shop. Where presumably they ate a not tuna sandwich. <laughs> yeah. No, they did not get a $5 foot long. Because um, <laughs> she's, you know, covered in blood and he is in chains. And also, there's no shrimp there. So George no shrimp. is no not shrimp. interested. Um, where she has left a gold Chevy minivan that she borrowed from one of her patients, who is the okay. one who is interviewed on the Snapped episode. So she borrows this car from them saying she needs her car's broken down and she needs to go drive to testify at the courthouse because her boyfriend who's in Iraq fighting for freedom. Yeah. He is uh she needs to go testify on his behalf or otherwise he's going to lose custody of his children when he comes okay. back. I and do they are good-hearted people who believe her. Um and so she steals their minivan. I, I have an update about the definition of snapped because there feels like a lot <laughs> yeah. of premeditation here. And I'm not sure anybody snapped. I think somebody uh, had a full day of planning. <laughs> at yeah, least. There's a lot of premeditation in yeah. this escape, at least. Um, so they, yeah, this minivan is waiting for them. And so they, they know that everyone's going to be looking for the Ford Explorer. So they ditch that. And they get in the minivan and drive off. They start their horrible road trip is what they do. Um, <laughs> and this is not George's first time escaping the law. Oh, my God. I love a, a prison escape. It just feels like it can't happen a lot. But I don't know. Jen, this was the fifth time he got no! away from law enforcement. The, this guy is the Houdini of prisons. He needs yeah. to be in more than some shackles. Well, here's the thing. He's a smooth fucking talker, so he gets people to help him. You can talk your way out of jail. Um, well, sometimes they say escaping authorities, so sometimes okay. he wasn't there like a, yet. Okay. But now so I, can't, I can't wait to see he, what he looks like. I can't wait to have a crush on him. He escaped authorities in East Tennessee in 1990, 1991, 1998, and 2002. Um, he escaped in 2002 with another prisoner from county jail after threatening guards with a DIY knife made from a toothbrush and a razor blade. Oh, my God. Um, but they were captured a few days later in, of course, Florida. Um, and in another instance, he escaped from a patrol car with another woman's help, ladies, man, um, after a convenience store robbery and was found the next day at a home outside of town, hiding under a pile of clothes. 
um, he's a he's a cartoon character, right? So he's great at escaping, but he's like he's really bad at staying escaped. He gets yeah. always gets caught. But back to our crime line of events. Okay, so they're in this gold minivan now, cruising down the highway, and about four hours later, um, they stop at a Lowe's store in Florence, Kentucky, which is a suburb of Cincinnati. Uh, to buy a hacksaw because George is still has shackles around his feet and presumably his hands are handcuffed too. Uh, but they can't go into the lows because again, Jennifer is bleeding from the leg and oh God, she's right. And she's a nurse. So, so she has kind of triaged, but I don't think she had any medical supplies. So she's like kind of been able to stop the bleeding, but like her legs kind of fucked up. Um, and he would be immediately suspicious. <laughs> like, hey, I have an hacksaw to cut through this. No, don't worry about it. It's a sex thing. Um, so they actually, they do something pretty smart, but also very shitty. Uh, this Lowe's, and I don't know if this is a feature of Lowe's stores everywhere, but they they pull the van into a loading area and the van that they have stolen has an accessible parking sticker. Okay, um, so this is on theme for this month for this us. This is very on theme. <laughs> okay. Um, but there's no pride in this um, act. Nope. No. <laughs> um, and someone from Lowe's comes out to assist them, thinking that they're disabled in some way and can't get out of the car. Um, and they're able to purchase a hacksaw this way without leaving the van or arousing any suspicion. Okay, um, that's really smart. It's very and smart terrible. and very terrible. Yeah, yeah. But it's it's kind of brilliant. Like they get this hacksaw because they they have to get these chains off of him, and they're suspicious looking as fuck right now. So um, at this point, Jennifer's like, "We have to stop. Like my leg is still bleeding. Like we can't keep going." Um, so they stop for the night at an Econo Lodge in nearby Erlinger, Kentucky, and they have their first night alone together as husband and wife. Sure. She, Hell of a honeymoon. Mm-hmm. But she's again still bleeding yeah. <laughs> and limping. Um, and George like doesn't care um because going to a hospital would be too risky. Yeah. Um, oh, I thought you were gonna be like, he'll still sleep with her. And I'm like, yeah, no, that's- <laughs> she says in the snapped episode, like he didn't care. He just was like, here's a towel, and he wanted to have sex. Um listen, I've had a man go, here's a towel, and then we had sex. So <sighs> it's uh, you know, blood is uh it stains, it's messy. Um, and they also cut Jennifer's hair and dye it dark brown. And she says that George made her do this so that they wouldn't be recognized. Um, and they also see that they're on television because they're at large. Yep. Um, and that Wayne Cotton Morgan has died, which they didn't know. Um, has has George, do you know, has he ever murdered somebody or has he basically been in like jail slash prison for burglaries and robberies and such? Um, it was mostly for those things. He hasn't outright murdered someone that I'm aware of, but he has assaulted people, like stabbed them. And- so Jennifer has leapfrogged over yeah. George. Yeah, has never been to jail. Nothing. And no. with and it's just like, I see your uh, burglaries, yeah. robberies, and assaults, and I'll raise you murdering this totally innocent man. Murdering, not only that, murdering a cop. Yeah. Yep. In the eyes of the law is way worse. Yes, it um, is. 
So they learn that he has died from his wounds and Jennifer is is shocked that he's dead. And also that police are on the lookout for this gold van, which they now realize Jennifer has stolen. So they're like, oh, shit. Um, yeah. And a gold van. Okay. <laughs> is, come on. I mean, like, it's not like gold encrusted. We're talking I like know, it's probably still, like a, it's probably champagne. It's a sparkly tan is what it yeah. is. It's 2005, you know. Yeah. It's a champagne. It's a nice beige. It's a champagne van. So, um, okay. So the next morning they're like, we got to ditch this van. So um, they take a $185 cab ride to Columbus, Ohio, which okay. is about, it's about between two and two and a half hour drive. Um, and they check into America's best value in because they love a good value. Yeah. And they love America. Mm-hmm. And they settle in and they order Mexican food. Oh, they don't love America. <laughs> <laughs> And smoke Marlboro cigarettes. They love America. They love America. That's, I mean, that's what you do in Ohio, basically, is smoke cigarettes and eat tacos. Um, And meanwhile, the police, they're on the trail. They find the gold Chevy van parked near the Econo Lodge, but the Hyatts, of course, are already gone. And they also find blood in the hotel room as well as in the van, confirming that um, someone had been injured there's also several bullet holes in the van from the and shootout. probably a discarded box of brunette hair dyes and now they're <laughs> also aware and, and a bunch of hair yeah there was a note that said like oh they left a, a box of discarded buffalo wings and also a teddy bear you might buy your sweetheart at the fair in happier time <laughs> yeah. yeah and i was like okay. well done kentucky news um or tennessee whatever sorry all the same sorry no offense guys but it's kind of the same a little bit parts of it okay so now we have our hero of the story there is a hero here there's a hero (laughs) sorry that just cost just five thousand dollars go ahead um yeah you can't continue or i will go bankrupt Nope. nope um and our hero is cab driver mike wagers great name because he was like there's blood all over the back of my cab so he is he's the one who dropped the off the hyatts in columbus and he heads back to kentucky he's at home he's playing video games uh it's 2005 so possibly resident evil 4 i looked it up great (laughs) i was like "Ooh, which one is i'm like is it is it golden eye a game i couldn't play because (laughs) all i did was walk into the wall because i it made me so sick i was like this game's terrible (laughs) <laughs> is that not how you play golden <laughs> well i was just i can't do first person i learned this very quickly mm. which made me sad i just like fighting games like any oh, old school okay. fighting games like street fighter mortal kombat etc but once they started dropping first person games out i was like row row my I, uh i don't yeah. feel good i, I maxed out at tetris and i'm comfortable there um so he's playing video games and his friend is like hey they found the van of that that fugitive couple uh, from the news, like right near where you picked up those two passengers. Um, That's crazy. Would you make that connection? Would you ever make, would you ever say that? Be like, Hey, I remember the address of the place where you happened to be like, it just feel, and I'm not saying it's a lie. It just feels like it feels like a movie. Him and his friends share, they share a lot. And he's always telling him where he's picking up people (laughs) for safety. You don't you know have who to. computers are. You have to. It was a long trip. So he probably was like, oh, yeah, I had to drive this couple all the way to fucking Columbus. Yeah, you're probably right. It just feels so crazy. Like, hey, remember uh, when you picked up that couple at uh, 
1617 Alessandro. And I'm yeah. like, <laughs> well, we're going to learn why he was suspicious, why this oh. set off an alarm bell in okay. Mike Wager's head. So he decided he's going to contact the police because he's like, that's not a coincidence. And he tells them that he picked up this couple at the Econo Lodge that morning. And they said that they had wrecked their car on the way to an Amway convention in Ohio. <laughs> I love it. Which he found suspicious because they didn't act like Amway representatives. Quote, they weren't very pushy about their product. (laughs) (laughs) I wasn't harassed enough by these It's literally what he said. He was like, they don't, they never shut up about Amway and they just kind of mentioned it. And then we didn't talk about it again. Um, For any, for any younger listeners, this was like a time, a picture, like the most annoying clipboard person on the corner of like the city. Like that's basically what, what that was back then like do well, you have a minute yeah and it was like multi-level marketing like the original yes kind of thing yes um and they don't shut up about it yeah and no. so he's like mm, that doesn't seem right and just to drive home how terrible they these people are he also mentions they were a little bit light on the tip so <laughs> on the 185 dollar fare they mm. gave him 200 dollars, which is a little light on the tip yeah, that's a $15 tip. And he's got to turn back and go the other mm-hmm. way with that drive 15. another couple hours. That's so. not even gas. I know. Mike Wagers deserves better America. Better okay. wages for wager. Sorry. <laughs> and there's some great um, pictures of him and snapped and of him just like holding open the door of the cab. Like, here's where <laughs> they were. And it's great. Um and I hope he's playing lots of video games. Today. I do too. I um, hope he donated that cab to something in uh, some <laughs> weird museum somewhere. Yeah. Good for you, Mike Wagers. Um, may you have a blessed life. Um, so they now they know where they are, or at least where they were dropped off. And so a task force of at least 25 people assembles to bring them into custody. You've got US, the U.S. Marshals and the Columbus Police Department SWAT team maybe a dog. I don't know. Um, and they call the room's phone. Jennifer answers and they realize they're surrounded and the two surrender peacefully. What? Sorry. Yeah. I don't know why. I'm sorry. That sounds like I'm a bloodthirsty. They, yeah. They weren't gonna, you know, fight it. They were surrounded by people. And I think Jennifer's starting to panic at this point. Cause she knows like she's killed someone. Well, yeah, she's just got a shitty haircut, a terrible dye job. Yeah. Her leg is probably a festering wound yeah, riddled knows. with the beginning stages of gangrene. The jig is up as yeah. they say. Um, and police find weapons in the hotel room, along with cans of Mountain Dew and Hawaiian Punch, littering the, the nightstand. No respect are, um, for the I would, nightstand. I would argue cans of Mountain Dew are also weapons. That's <laughs> that's a lot of sugar. That'll it's kill you. It's a lot. But, you know, he's been in prison. I would want a fucking Hawaiian Punch. Um, yeah, I'd just be like, uh, you know, this is not going to last. Get me like beef jerky, okay. Cheetos, whatever. So now from what we've heard, it sounds like. You know, Jennifer's a pretty good planner. Um, obviously, this was a collaboration of sorts between the two, but they've managed to pull this off, even though they got caught. Um, but the Snapped episode, granted, Snapped, I would not call serious journalism. I would call it a very biased show. They're trying to frame a narrative around the story of like a woman scorned, or a woman reaching a breaking point and doing something she would never do. Yeah, and normally um, they definitely are. There's like abuse yeah. or something. And well, this, it, oh, well, oh, 
So now obviously Jennifer is, she speaks for herself in this episode. Yeah. And her lawyer speaks as well. And some of her family members. So we have to take what they say through their lens, right? Because she's, this snapped episode was aired in 2009. This crime happened in 2005. So she's already been in prison for a few years. Okay. So she's gotten some perspective, I assume. And she also, you know, is going to stick to a certain story. I do think there's, so I think, anyway, let me just say, so in this episode, they really frame George as her torturer and some other stuff comes out. Um, Obviously we've seen, she's very easily manipulated by men and gets a lot of her approval from then her, you know, her family says, yeah, she was always very easily influenced by men and George, you know, he's in prison, but he, he like has money because he's like a powerful guy in prison he showers her with gifts he sends flowers to her family what 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 is prison what (laughs) is prison look the prison industrial complex is bad this is not me suggesting that we need to tighten Mm -hmm. it up but also what is prison and he also protects her from harassment from other prisoners so he's a good guy to align herself with while she's a nurse there um he she also smuggles in a cell phone to him while he's okay. in prison. I mean, he, I know how this is happening, mm-hmm. but come on. Yeah. Ew. She smuggles in the cell phone and he harasses her daily, calls her if she's on the phone with a family member, like on the landline, he has to listen in. Um, oh. He says that he has people watching her outside. He monitors her phone calls. He calls her all times of night and she tries to kill herself two weeks before the escape. So she's very mentally unwell at this point. Well, um, unless that was all part of the, you know, I, how, I don't know how we don't know how she tried to kill herself. Right. Like she how took a lot of pills okay. um, and her, you know, her family does say in the episode that, you know, her mental state was very bad and they corroborated the volume of phone calls um, for the trial. So, he was obviously a controlling person and she was easy manipulated. And so he took advantage of that, but it's on, I don't think she's a, you know, just, just a victim in this situation as well, because of some other things we're going to talk about. So she does say she never wanted anyone to get hurt, which I think that is true. But like, once you put a loaded gun in your hand, you can't guarantee that that's going to happen. You can't eliminate that possibility. Um, And she says she was under George's control. She was too afraid to say no to him. She was afraid of what he might do to her or have done to her because he had so many connections in and out of prison, Mm. which that may be, again, may be true. That could be true. I mean, uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. And I I don't think he was, I think he was an awful person um, and awful to her. Oh, he's clearly like a guy. He's the he just goes from relationship to relationship mm-hmm. to get what he wants or yeah, from, and he, from women. And what he wanted from her was this great escape was this escape. Yeah. But then you have this prison journal that Jennifer wrote that we mentioned at the beginning, a modern day Bonnie and Clyde, which she titles herself and this, she writes it after being captured in Ohio. Uh, and it's pretty damning. Um, this is 34 pages of Jennifer writing her life story. And it's only unfinished because it's confiscated by prison officials, um, which she didn't think would happen. She thought this was going to be her private 
like journal, but nothing in prison is private. So yeah, they, no, no. they confiscate this journal and they also confiscate some letters that she's written to her family. And the prosecution, like everyone sees these letters and this contents of this journal and they are like adamant that it not get submitted as evidence because uh, it's very damning about Jennifer's involvement. Um, she writes letters to family and signs it as Bonnie. Um, playing up the Bonnie and Clyde comparison. Her tone is very light. She's talking about how her hair looked on TV. Um, She also writes to a family member that for the first time she had taken control of her own destiny and describes the two days on the run with George as the best of her life. I will once again ask how people get this I'm, I don't want to say stupid, but like, I will once say that you, I, again, I'm not saying like, whoosh, I wish she had done better, but you know, part of me is just yeah. like, all oh, that feels like, come on. And you also have three children you're taking care of. And I don't think we, career. I forgot. I forgot they existed truly yeah. as did Jennifer. So I think both things can be true that she went, that he was a high control person. She, he was abusive towards her and she had agency yeah in, in this plan um yeah. it's it's such a hard thing to say because again reading articles about the trial it's not going to show you everything and then watching a snapped episode where she and her family yeah. are speaking f- on her behalf in a very skewed narrative it's not going to show you everything. And um, abuse is so complicated. It's very complicated. Like, especially psychological abuse, which mm-hmm. you can clearly rarely, if ever, prove mm-hmm. because people don't even believe bruises most of the time. So how mm-hmm. can you get anyone to believe that you might yeah. have been psychologically abused? It's- and maybe she did feel like she didn't have a choice, even if someone on the outside yeah. would say you absolutely had a choice. Um, but, you know, you put a loaded gun in your hand and you fire it you're still responsible for what happens. Yep. Um, so where is she now? So, or um, so all of this material is used as evidence. Of okay. Trial. Yeah. 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 Because and it really looks like Jennifer is like all in on this plan. She was very willing and not just not really the picture, at least to a jury of an abused victim. Um, even though she very may well be. We, well, we again, can't say time and time again, this idea that you're kind of allowed to bring your I wouldn't act that way if it were me mm-hmm. attitude the same way. Yeah. And I'm not, I'm not going to defend Casey Anthony ever. But I think we've talked about this before, this whole thing like oh, she didn't cry. I would have cried. I'm like, well, you don't know what you would have done. And that's not really how, how you can you can't really bring that into the, the courtroom. But people always do. They just they stare at you sitting on the stand and decide that your behavior is somehow mm-hmm. admissible. Yeah. Um, and the death penalty is on the table (gasps) because she's killed a member of law enforcement and the abuse argument just doesn't look like it's going to hold up despite statements from her family about the state of her mental health leading up to the, the escape and things like the volume of phone calls, um, that George made to her being corroborated, um, so on September 17th, 2007, as part of a plea bargain to avoid the death penalty, which was agreed to by the um, the victim's family, Jennifer Hyatt pleaded guilty to first-degree murder and was sentenced to life imprisonment without the possibility of parole. She also waived the right to an appeal as a part of this agreement. Oh, my God. And she's currently incarcerated at the Tennessee Prison for Women in Nashville. 
Um, uh, as a condition of the plea bargain, which allowed her to avoid the death penalty, she also agreed to testify against her husband, George Hyatt. But this wasn't required because he um, and his lawyers decided not to contest the charges made against him. And on March 9, 2009, he pleaded guilty to all charges, including the first degree murder of Officer Wayne Cotton Morgan. And as a result, he was sentenced to life imprisonment without the possibility of parole. And that is the story of Jennifer. He got Oversight. the murder charge. He got him the murder charge. That's... They both got it. How did, not that I've. Again, I'm not defending anybody. They, how did how did they get him in on that? That he was an uh, accessory, he was an accomplice to the yeah, and he like he helped plan it. And he shouted, shoot him. That's shoot right. Him. Okay, yeah, that's right. And it was witnessed by other members of law enforcement and other right. people. God. So, so they're both uh they're both in jail. Jennifer on the Snapped episode, of course, is very apologetic. She had to sit down with the widow of Cotton uh-huh. and face her. Um, yeah, she has no possibility of an appeal. Uh, the only way she could get out of prison really is if some official granted her clemency. Yeah, that's not down happen. the line. But so, is she, does she even get like a, does parole even an option? Because no, obviously, an appeal is not an option. To... Wow, no possibility of parole. Yeah, God, I mean, because otherwise they were going to give her the death penalty, which I yeah, personally honest- am not for. <laughs> nope, nope, um, not at all. From not an at ethical all. St- and a human standpoint, so to save her life, yeah, she pleaded guilty. That is a crazy story, and it really makes me sad. Obviously for Mr. Cotton, but also for her because I know that she was molested, but like. Come, just come on. This didn't yeah. have to be where this ended up. Like this didn't at at all. And she's got no. three kids, and who knows where yeah. they are. Yeah, that's like, crazy. I mean, like you said, it's not an A to B pipeline of like you're abused in childhood oh. or in adulthood into committing. Yeah, that is an interesting. Like either more. I, honestly, I swear to God, it was the horse that broke her. I promise you this. Like it it's, was. It was it the re- horse. I am not even kidding when I say yeah. that. Obviously, molestation is very bad, but I bet that like if that horse had stuck around, it could have healed her a little bit. But that shit probably was mm-hmm. it. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like she couldn't trust a lot of the people in her life. So you trust this animal who's going to yeah. be there for you. You know, I get and, it. And then you put all your you know, your self-worth on the men in your life and they will let you down and you'll let them down. And, um, yeah, that is her poor kids, you know? Yeah. That's really sad. And, uh, I want to say she's a sad, bad Jennifer. This was a, for me, this was a, a equal part sad, bad because, yeah, the Jennifer Bailey, the, the last bad Jennifer we did, she was a dickhead. Yeah, but that was also sad because she was a kid, you know. Yes, but she was a dickhead. I'm sorry, I don't. No, we, from, right. from what little we know about her life, it didn't sound like there was. I'm like, where'd that come from? There was yeah, no the discernible. Sad, the trauma. sad figures in that were like her brother. Yeah, um, but like brother, obviously, but, but like my, this my, one is fucking sad. My my mom wouldn't listen to that episode because Susan. Her name Susan. is Susan. Yeah. <laughs> And she also just doesn't like true crime. Like she probably won't listen to this one, but she's listened to every other one. Oh, well, speaking of to try to get us a little bit out of this, on a, like not, yeah, a, yeah. not the saddest note, speaking of crime ish, I finally started watching the Sopranos. It was, this was another oh. show. Did you ever watch it? No, but it's really funny. Cause I have you, Jen, and I have one other friend, Jen. I, I know, a, I know a Jenny as well, but 
she's also watching the Sopranos for the first time. Well, I, she's probably doing it for the same reason I am is that that prequel is gonna, is coming out in mm. October. Like it's just a movie, mm-hmm. um, but it's his actual son, James Gandolf. And his actual son is playing young him cool, in this. Yeah. So it looks pretty interesting. And I was like, well, this seems I, I could do this. And this just came out during that weird time in LA where I just like, didn't have cable or anything. So I missed the Sopranos. Um, and then of course I couldn't watch it. Cause everybody was like, you have to. And I was like, Oh, do I contrarian? Um, but related to this podcast, uh, and I, you know, the like premise vaguely that Tony Soprano yeah. played by James Gandolfini. Part of it is that he is seeing a therapist and I don't yeah. know if this, but the therapist is played by Lorraine Bracco. Love it. And her name on the show is Jennifer Melvin. <laughs> I got very oh. excited. I know. I was like, it's me and my dog, but more importantly, a Jennifer for this podcast. So if at any point yeah. we need to. It's perfect. Track down Lorraine Bronco for an interview. I would love to track down God. Lorraine Bronco. I have no interest in watching The Sopranos. That sounds so boring to me, but uh, I hear it's great. Um, well, I just think everyone's so obsessed. And I will say this, a friend of mine, I shouldn't say this part, actually, never mind. I will tell you a story outside of the podcast. Haha, <laughs> <laughs> teaser, gotcha. Sorry, it's a, it's a, it's a secret Soprano story from a friend of mine who worked on the show. So oh, sorry, can't tell you guys. We love a Jennifer secret. Sorry. Um, you have great Hollywood gossip sometimes and I'll never tell. Yeah. Um, so everyone well, come see Jenny do stand up on July 17th <laughs> and come see me see Jenny do stand up um, on July 17th. We can wear our matching necklaces. I always do. <laughs> I'm a crazy that would be person. Great. And yeah, support disabled creators and makers and don't be weird to disabled people this month or ever again. It's pretty fucking easy not to, but you, I don't know why you guys read the fucking room, y'all. Would be surprised. So I would I sadly I wouldn't be. <laughs> I just want better um, for those people. And here's the lessons for today. Um don't meet your boyfriend at your own wedding. <laughs> And what else, what else was, what else was our lesson today, Jen? You were just saying Um, it. What was I just saying? Don't meet a boyfriend in prison. Don't date. Okay. When you're 15, don't date a 25 year old. We'll start there. Great lesson. Please, Um, please. No matter how much he tells you that you act older than you are mm -hmm. and you seem more mature than all the other 15 year olds. He's Mm -hmm. also had relationships with. Nope. Nope. And thirdly. Follow us on Instagram. <laughs> too many <laughs> Jennifer's on Twitter. Too many J's pod. Uh, email us at too many Jennifer's pod at gmail.com. We know this email address by heart. Send us your weird or cool or bad Jennifer's. And uh, fourthly, Jen, where are we going to see you? At the at mall. The mall.